Tabula Rasa, bitches. Hello, hello. Hello. My name is Allie. And I'm Nick. And welcome to Season 1, Episode 11 of Tabula Rasa, bitches. We're so glad you're here. In Tabula Rasa, bitches, you'll listen as two decades-long friends jump back into the world of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and relive the show that brought them close together and taught them so many of the values they still cherish today. We are going to give a side note to everybody, including our friends, that we will be discussing. That's a shout out to the last episode. If anybody just listened to it. If you get it, you get it. (laughs) We're going to be discussing this episode, spoilers and all. If you haven't watched and don't want to hear spoilers, hit that pause button, go do your watching and come back. We will be anxiously awaiting your return. Each episode of Tabula Rasa, bitches, we'll dive into an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and discuss the lessons that can be learned from our favorite Sunnydale warriors and the supernatural creatures they use their talents and friendship to overcome. Today, we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 11, Out of Mind, Out of Sight. Allie, do I have your permission to jump into the episode summary? Um, yeah, go for it. Great. I needed that. I also want your blessing, but it doesn't sound like I'll get that, so I'll just take your permission. (laughs) Cordelia's friends are being attacked by a mysterious force, and nobody is sure what is happening or who is behind it. After one attack, Buffy hears an ominous laugh and follows, but finds no one. The gang concludes that it may be an invisible person, and the prime suspect quickly quickly becomes Marcy Ross, a girl whom no one seems to remember, even though she was in everyone's classes, including several with Xander and Willow. Giles, Willow, and Xander follow music they think is Marcy, only to find themselves trapped in a boiler room with a gas leak. They are rescued by Angel. Meanwhile, yeah, thanks, Angel. One of many, 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 many times in the future. Meanwhile, Buffy and Cordelia are kidnapped by Marcy and taken to the bronze where Buffy manages to escape and stop Marcy before she disfigures Cordelia. After Buffy subdues Marcy, two government officials enter, taking Marcy away to be, quote, rehabilitated. Interesting. And as usual, thank you so much to the brilliant people at Buffy Guide for helping me out with this episode summary. Gotta love those geeks. They're so helpful. We all need geeks. You're a geek, Allie, and I need you. Aw, Nicholas, I need you too. That has been the best part of creating this podcast. Getting to see your shining face once a week. Mm. But I'm only once a I week. Am. Yeah, no more than that. <laughs> Nobody needs to see my face more than that. So my first quote is, ooh, another great episode I always forget about. Yeah, and one that I, it's another one of those kind of don't, I, I also don't watch it as much, but um, particularly I relate to it differently as I watch it. And, and like more dramatically mm-hmm. uh, shifting the way I relate to it as as I watch it in different phases of life. Yeah. So my next quote, I know you have it. It is, I don't know, maybe, maybe the best Cordelia quote of the season. Uh, Give, give context for it first. Give context for it. Okay. So we open up and Cordelia is all excited about the, the May Queen uh, dance. It's a stupid name, but yeah, I think it's May May Queen Queen dance or something like that. She wants to be queen, obviously. Uh, she's talking about her dress and her guy. It's not her boyfriend, but the guy she's seeing, I guess is talking about her eye color. (laughs) Do you want me to say it or are you going to say it? No, 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 you say it. It's so good. And he says they're like, I think he says they're blue. 
or something like that. Like, oh yeah, just like your your beautiful blue eyes or something like that. And she says, my eyes are hazel, Helen Keller. <laughs> Cordelia! I, oh. I literally laughed out loud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so nice watching this with a semi-brush take because I'd forgotten about that. Oh, it's so good. Oh yeah, that's how I know I haven't watched this this episode a lot because I would I would remember that quote Cordelia you're such a bitch oh I my know, god but oh god that was awesome it's okay so, good. so very quickly I get into what sophomore gets elected a dance queen what cat like I get that we care about Cordelia because she's the same year as Buffy but like why would the rest of the school give a shit well, I have this point later on. I, I It's a small detail that I am being nitpicky about, but they're in the cafeteria at some point and there's posters all around. Cordelia has posters mm -hmm. plastered throughout the school that say vote Cordelia Chase. That's true. That's true. And she no, just she's, name recognition she's giving out. She's giving out chocolates and stuff like that. Um, And she is a cheerleader. But, you know, she's not your captain, but. I don't know. I was never part of those like big popular groups. So I feel like I missed I, I can't really even relate it to like our high school experience because I don't know who those people were. I have I'm going to I'm about to compare this to a political campaign. I have been pretty intimately involved with some local runs for office. And at least at those local levels, huge part of it is name recognition. People go to the polls, they don't even know who the fuck they're voting for, but they're like, yeah, I've heard that name. Sure, I'm going to vote for them. I think that Cordelia is making the same play here. She gets her name everywhere. It's just top of mind for people they vote for. That's I think true, but she also comes at it from the perspective of like, well, of course, everyone's going to vote for me. Mm -hmm. So I feel like she's already approaching it from the like, people already know me. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe it's because she does things like that. I mean, she campaigns hard. And I mean, you worked for it. You earned it. It would be interesting to see her campaign strategy. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so this first scene, they're in English talking about the Merchant of Venice. And I have written, oh, I just saw a merchant today because I did my homework for today's recording yesterday. And I saw Merchant of Venice at the Shakespeare Theater Company in D.C. No way. And I love that speech as they're talking about this Shylock's speech at uh, towards the end of the play when they're at the court case. And it's the big, if you prick us, do we not bleed? It's a big, lots of those um, comparisons. And there's a lot of, honestly, I, I, seeing it today in today's context and stuff, I think people on both sides of Merchant are at fault. But it is a beautiful speech. Really, you could... I feel like you could replace Jew with any marginalized group that it's just the like, are we not, aren't we the same as you? Mm, like, are we not mm -hmm. made of all the same things? Don't we mm -hmm. breathe? Don't we eat? All those things. I don't know anything about the play at all. So I don't know anything about the substance of what Cordelia was arguing, but uh, the like wave she was arguing at least seemed pretty thoughtful like yeah more thoughtful and intellectual than i would have than i think we've been led to see cordelia as absolutely and then even at the um so i actually like a lot of these things kind of depend on the production specifically but there are definitely moments where she's not wrong interesting yeah i mean i and again i as i saw it i think there are faults on both sides um i think there are two sides because it's like yes People were being awful to Shylock simply for the only by the fact that he was a Jew. 
But then there's some moments he has in the court case where, yes, they were being terrible to you, but that does not excuse your own terrible behavior. Interesting. I'll have to research the show. We're going to run into that idea later in this episode. Like, yes, we were terrible to you and you can't do exactly. terrible things. Exactly. Yeah. That idea of like, it can be an explanation, but not an excuse. Or mm. like, my brother struggled with ADD growing up. And my dad often emphasized that. That doesn't give you just like license to be obnoxious. Mm. Um, love you. Um, who is the, do you know, um, something is familiar to me about the actress who's playing the teacher? Mm-hmm. who is doing a very impassioned reading of this speech that's yeah. like compelling to me as somebody who doesn't know what she's talking about at all. Mm-hmm. Do you know who that actress is? I, don't. I meant to look it up and I did not. No, I don't. I, I don't think I know her. That's okay. I will look up and report back. But no, and then the, at the end of class, Cordelia is even asking to meet with the teacher, not for extra credit or like, come on, give me an A, but she's like, I'm not getting this assignment. Can you meet with me? And I was like, is that Cordelia being studious? Yeah. And we learn later as as they go through the college application process and stuff that she's actually a brainy. She's he actually is really smart. Uh, yeah. I have this note later on, but we see a good bit of development in mm-hmm. Cordelia in this episode. Yeah. Um, and I like it. I don't think she plays it up because it doesn't serve her public image. And a lot of a lot of women across history have done this. You know, smart women don't make it very far. So that's not what she emphasizes, but it doesn't mean she's not smart. Yeah. Um, you locker room talk. Is that a thing? I don't even know. I feel like it's such a trope, but does that is that even real? Well, so the the quote that I think you're talking about, yeah, they're they're brewing it up in the locker room, and they say something like, "Oh yeah, you have to look good in order to be on Cordelia's arm." And he says, "Oh, it's not her arm. I'm looking to be on." Mm-hmm. Which, like, locker room talk is gross, but also. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, I see what you're trying to say. It's inappropriate. Like, don't be gross. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Sure, it does. He's just like on top of her. We were talking about traditional missionary. So he would be on her. Uh, Oh, okay. Okay. There. It was not. uh, I don't know. You if you're going to be a dick about it, you could have been a lot like you not not only not only do you lose points for being gross, but you also lose points because that was not creative. No, it was it was not. It was not a particularly witty turn of phrase. But I don't know. You were in male locker rooms. Was it was it like oh, that? I hightailed it out of those locker rooms the first yeah. second I could. I changed in the showers. We didn't grow up in a school that took showers at school. So Yeah. Also that's horrifying to me. Never, ever, 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 ever. I heard tell of some of the, the like people who were doing school sports in high school who actually did use the showers, but we certainly never did. Not for gym. I was never yeah. applying myself enough in gym class to warrant a shower. Yeah, I feel it. Yeah, true. I feel like I always I feel like in locker rooms, I was just so I always felt so self-conscious that I wasn't mm-hmm. even paying attention to what was being said. Yeah, I don't. I Yeah, who knows? This is another act of violence, mysteriousness in a locker room. In a locker room. We just yes. talked about this two episodes ago. Yeah. And we have a great Snyder quote because someone's like, oh, is there a body in the, the locker room? And Snyder says, there are no dead students here this week. This week. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're like, oh, man. I, I have to hand it Marcy. That's her name, right? Mm-hmm. I have to hand it to Marcy. Based on what we know about this dude, sounds like he deserved to be beat with a baseball bat. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, you know, <laughs> it's like back in The Witch. When someone's like, well, why would someone try to kill Cordelia? 
And Willow's like, maybe because somebody met her. <laughs> and she's like, did I say that out loud? <laughs> yeah, there's some people that like, I mean, when you actually see someone who has been beat with a baseball bat, it's actually like pretty horrific and bloody and it's like actually really bad. But there's some people that you're like, I don't know, like maybe I've thought about it. I don't want you to be maimed for life. Right. I want you to, but I like, want you to, yeah. Bruised a bit. Right. Sore the next day, maybe like. Oh, Maybe God. your kneecaps. Gonna... Like... Yeah, yeah. I'm not naming names, but yeah. I'll, I'll name some names. We'll do that off <laughs> recording. I will happily name some names. This is a note that I had from, I, I referenced it in another episode and I couldn't remember what. Um, so Willow comes up and they're having their, Willow and Xander having, are having their little inside joke moment that mm -hmm. Buffy's not in on. Yeah, poor Buff in this episode. She has a rough time this episode. I there are a lot of parallels between Buffy and Marcy. I feel like. Yeah, I think I think we're definitely seeing like Marcy identify or Buffy identifying with Marcy in this episode. Yeah, that's definitely intentional. She yeah she loses her popular girl identity that she wants, and then Xander and Willow have their whole thing, and yeah, it yeah. Has come, I mean, and especially in a small town where everyone knows each other. And everyone has known each other for a long time. You know, even if they're not all close. And this happened with us of like people went to Centennial Lane, went to Burley Manor, went to Centennial High School. So even if you're not like close, you still know who they are. Mm -hmm. And there's still just like history by osmosis or whatever. So I imagine it's really hard. I, I never moved. Mm -hmm. And I know like you never moved school districts. Mm -hmm. So like we never had to deal with this. I no. can only imagine how hard it would be. Listener, report in. Tell us how it was acclimating to a new school. Let us know. I'm sure it built character. I'm sure it gave you lots of like adaptability skills and stuff that we missed out on. But uh, I'm not going to say that I'm, I wish I'd had that experience because it sounds terrible. Um, this is a flag for myself. As Willow is having this like conversation, you probably don't remember me asking about this. Willow has another one of those juice drink things hmm. she's drinking a little juice thing it has a twist top mm -hmm. she was doing it during episode five too and i only bring it up because i i mentioned it during our episode five recording and i was like it's this juice it's super iconic very 90s i couldn't remember it and and i saw it again and i was like oh my god so much nostalgia it's all coming back to me they're called kool-aid bursts just hmm. if anybody they're delicious too so hmm. it unlocked a memory from secondary school for kool-aid jammers but maybe i'm thinking of bursts oh kool-aid jammers were the pouches that had the you could see the juice in it, and it oh was different okay colors. so yeah bert oh okay i don't think i ever remembered what they were specifically called because when we were growing up that's just the form that kool-aid took i never and it had the iconic twisty top and then you yeah, would yeah. gnaw on it and you would get that yep. last little drop absolutely fuck i loved those i worked hard for that for that juice that was in the cap yeah, man. Before there was Capri Sun, there was Kool-Aid Bursts. And then Capri Sun saved us. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Willow missed distraction so that Buffy can go into the locker room and check out the scene. Quick thinking from Willow, right? So this is another quick Willow lie. And she's got a sneaky side. Like a good, quick distraction thing. Willow, <laughs> Willow Rosenberg, check you out. And what she picked a lie, too, that mm -hmm. is sure to distract right. the principal, saying he's going to sue. <gasps> sue? 
And well, and Xander, to his credit, picks up really quickly and they have a they both have a great little back and forth. That was fun. Good job, kiddos. Yeah, just on top of it. Uh, I have Buffy Prince. She does a good job of like, I think she like covers her hand or something to get through the door. But then she goes right with her hands into the locker. And I'm like, gosh, people, gosh, dang. Come on. These are basic sleuthing skills here, basic. guys. Come on. So basic. I didn't pick up on that. That's interesting. Um, I have a Sander quote. Maybe it's a vampire bat. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that either. Is that it's when they were at the cafeteria? Yeah, they're in the cafeteria. They're talking about so disembodied bat. And Giles lists a few things it could be like, I don't know, ghost, uh, invisible person, maybe. And Xander goes, maybe it's a vampire bat. So funny. Oh, Xander. Sweet, sweet angel. Um, So I noticed in this cafeteria, this is back to my poster thing from before. There is in the scene where they're in the hallway and Buffy goes into the locker room. Mm -hmm. There is a distinct poster in the background that says cast your ballot for May Queen or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's hand drawn. Mm -hmm. That same poster, same exact poster, same coloring, same error little thing because it's clearly hand drawn Mm -hmm. is in the cafeteria. They just took the poster off the wall, moved it right to the cafeteria. Probably so. Yes, production. I see you. <laughs> I notice. Yeah, you know, why Why work harder? I feel like my rewatches take 16 times longer than they need to because I'm pausing, pausing to, look to look at, look at test things. questions or, yeah, posters. Or That's There's funny. another Vote Cordelia Chase poster in the cafeteria, too. I yeah. love that. I yep. have to pause to write down quotes. That's what I pick out. Yeah. Um, Xander's hair is looking especially good today. He's got an extra little swoop in his hair. It's looking good. I didn't notice that. Oh, I yeah. have a crush on Xander. I'll have to rewatch it again. I get to rewatch it again. Oh. <laughs> uh, I love Cordelia's reaction to her date getting hit hit and such. Like, <laughs> How is he going to look in the pictures? <laughs> Cordelia, you bitch. Oh my god. Yeah. That's the problem for sure. I uh I, I can't remember if this is before the scene you're talking about or after, but at one point, they're all in front of the school discussing, mm-hmm. and Willow has a shirt on. It's a, it's a Scooby-Doo shirt. Aww. And I'm like, oh, they're Scoobies. She's a Scooby-Doo shirt. Oh, that's so nice. I, I'm, I feel like I took a note on that, but maybe I missed it. Um, I have an owl here for Harmony falling down the stairs. That does look... Yeah. Oof, those are stone stairs. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah. I don't know if you ever went up the stairs at Towson, leaving the student union, going towards the Center for the Arts. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I used to tell my friends, like, you go on ahead because I am taking these nice and slow. Because I would all every time I was on those stairs, I would have this image in my head of me just one slip, one slip of the foot. That's all it takes. And bam, your head's on the corner, cracked like Humpty Dumpty. On the stairs. Um, also, there's a if you stumbled on those steps and did a harmony maneuver where they where she like fell down, mm-hmm. there's a road right behind there too. So that'd be extra treacherous. Yep. Yeah. Just bad all around. And bad yep. all around. So yeah. I was just like, yep, I will take my sweet pretty time. Um, Nicholas, I have a question for you. <gasps> I'm excited. What would you do if you could go invisible? Oh, what would I do if I could go invisible? Oh. I mean, I guess it's a sort of qu- different question. If you had the power to go invisible versus if you turned invisible. I turned invisible. That's a good distinction. But whatever. What would you do if no one could see you? Hmm. I mean, Xander's mind, of course, goes to girls' locker room. 
Yeah, Xander, that's inappropriate. Don't creep on people. Come no, on. I'm surprised. You can't do that, dude. Okay, I'm going to tell you the first thought that came to my mind, and this is how I know I'm an old person. I would go grocery shopping. And I have a couple of different justifications for that. Yeah, please explain. First of all, I don't want to talk to anybody. Let me do my grocery shopping. Let me get through my list. Let okay. me do my thing. Okay. And then the bigger question is, he's going to be so mad at me when this episode comes out. I made the mistake. It wasn't a mistake. It was fun. I'll say I made the mistake of taking Paul with me to the grocery store today. Mm -hmm. When I go to the grocery store, I go in with a list. I'm in. I'm out. I know exactly what I'm doing. Yep. Paul is like, I had frozen pizza on my list. It's one of our oh shit meals. We have like a nice frozen pizza. We like whatever. Sure. I was going to get like two or whatever. That's a sensible amount. Paul put eight frozen pizza in our grocery cart. To be fair, we will eat them eventually. We yeah, will. We do need them. Like, how big is your freezer? Oh, I have a chest freezer. So oh, okay. I yeah. like, and we have space for it. But, but then I just, I felt stupid going up to the person mm -hmm. with my Stack cart overflowing. Eight. With frozen pizzas. Yeah. So, so like, like that's another dimension to it where, <laughs> first of all, I could just steal the food, mm -hmm. right? Nobody's going to, nobody's going to stop a grocery cart that's sure. rolling itself. Like, they're going to let it do its thing. Um, yeah. There's the embarrassment that it's I wouldn't so have. Funny. There's the... See, I think, grocery I think grocery shopping invisible would be awful because people would be bumping into you. Because I don't... Well... And that's the thing is, I don't know about your grocery store, but our, our Aldi is rather crowded. So I feel I like I love I'm, Aldi. I miss Aldi. I love I Goodness gracious. Thank you so much for Aldi. So, yeah, I just feel like I'm always dodging people and people are always in the way and no one's going to move out of the way for an invisible person. But they don't have to. They don't have to move out of the way. I will get through if I need to, when I need to. Yeah, but then I'm still like bumping into people and touching people. I don't know. That doesn't, I don't like that. Interesting. Um, I'll see if I can think of a better answer. Wh what would you do if you were invisible? I feel like my answer is a little different too. Sorry, I asked you You're a fine. question and You're I good. went on to answer it. Um, I work from home mm -hmm. and I like I don't leave my house. Right. Anymore. And I feel like it's a different. I feel like I would have a different answer back when I was in school. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's just like people around. And I, there were probably people who like pissed me off and I would like pants them or some, or, you know, do something petty, yeah. do something like annoying or petty like that. Or like trip them or something. Yeah. And they would just look stupid. Right. <gasps> I like to think I wouldn't be that malicious, but I feel like, so. I would. I think I would, I, would, I think because I had a phase where I used to really like doing the tap someone's shoulder and then like walk up on the other side of them. <laughs> so this would be the ultimate because they could never catch you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But it's like, you're not hurting anybody. So it's like the perfect little, like it's amusing to me. It's not really hurting you. It's just that's a little a trick. response. Yeah. My other one that I was thinking of while you were talking, because I don't actually listen to you. Fair enough. Sneak into movies. I just spend my whole day at the movie theater and not. I love going to the movie theater. One. Do you? I love the movie theater. I was so excited when I could go back with COVID. I will never stop. I know, you know, in-person movie theaters have, have dwindled, especially with on demand and stuff like that. But I love the movie going experience. I love going by myself. I have no issues going yeah, by myself to a movie. Me too. I love it. Especially for certain movies where I'm actually glad not to have someone else watching my reactions or hearing somebody else's. Like Batman versus Superman, I got to make all of my own opinions because I watched it by myself. So I didn't have to worry about like somebody else, like what they thought of something, you know. Mm -hmm. 
I think I saw Avengers Endgame alone. Oh. One of them. For that specific reason, I just wanted to have the experience Take myself. It in yourself. I yeah. Agree. I would like to also pose this question to our listeners. What would you do if you were invisible? Yeah. I would love I would love to hear that. I'm very interested. In school, it would be cool to imagine being able to sneak into like a teacher planning session mm. and hear what they were saying about students. That'd I be think so that was maybe what I I think that's what I was thinking of during the episode. Like I would hang back after an audition or something like that to hear what they said about me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that like that kind of thing of like what do Or to hear the people who came after me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something like that. Neat. That's a good question, Allie. Thank you. Oh, this also so we see Marcy go up into the ceiling ventilations or whatever. Um, she's been living there. Did you ever hear about the guy who was living in someone's ceiling? I heard this on a what? scary story podcast on Scared to Death. So this woman starts- God damn it. I'm going to have to check my attic. Fuck you, yeah, Allie. I'll have one, so I don't have to worry about it. But it, oh my God, it's such a scary story. I think it's personally scarier than any like ghost story. So this woman thinks she's seeing a ghost because it was like late at night. She saw him like going up the stairs or something and it's gaunt kind of shadow character. And then like this nurse, because like her husband's in the hospital or something. So she's living alone. And then once her husband passes away, she has this live-in nurse and like the nurse sees it too. And then I can't remember how they discover it. Um, Like maybe the police stake out or something like that, or like someone else saw it or whatever. But basically they find out this guy was living in their crawl space, in their ceiling. I hate that. I and hate was it. just like coming downstairs and like moving stuff around and like turns out once they caught him and interviewed him when the husband was still alive he would come downstairs and just like watch him it was like a game of like how how much time could he spend down there without getting caught what yeah it was just uh, so freaking creepy again yeah, i think it's scarier than any haunted story yeah give me a ghost please yeah don't give me a real person mm -hmm. no mm -hmm. <laughs> at one point Oh, go ahead. Xander, I'd use my powers to protect the girls' locker room. Yeah, <laughs> Xander, to okay. protect, yeah. Um, don't be gross, Xander, come on. We, at, at various points in this episode, we get flashbacks to Marcy in various points throughout mm -hmm. throughout the school. And, and at one point, the point I'm thinking of, we see her in the bathroom and the popular girls come in and she's making like really nice sweet attempts to like engage in the conversation with them and they and she's just shooting them down mm -hmm. i can totally relate to that experience mm. of trying to like be cool with these people engage with them or whatever and they're just like mm -hmm. not i don't know about you oh i mean i can't think of any like specific instances but there's definitely been times when you're like in a group and you start the same sentence like three times trying to yep. trying to get in or you try to say something funny and it doesn't land yeah mm. Marcy, I feel you. I feel your pain. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't really complain, but there is definitely those groups where you're like, you're just trying to break into like the cool circle. And yeah, I definitely get it. So I have an all caps note here. They're talking about like, well, how do you fight someone who you can't see? Then big letters. I have paint, glitter, big <laughs> sheet. Come on, people. Let's think creatively here. There are ways. Come on. Use that is this person corporeal? Come we on. can work with this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Come on, guys. We have stretched our brain before. Right. Come on. Uh, so 
uh, Buffy is given the order to, so we, we've established that uh, Cordelia is probably the one being chased. So ha, Buffy has Cordelia started chase. Oh, I didn't even mean to do that. Hey. Oh my God. Hey. Buffy is tailing Cordelia and she is officially crowned May Queen or whatever the title is. She's starting to give this speech. Um, and I think this quote is so funny. She says, thank you for making the right choice and for showing me how much you all love me. Being this popular is not only my right, it's my responsibility. Oh, my God. Oh, Cordelia. Cordelia. I was so confused by So that night they're at their school and they're working on Cordelia's dress. Who is this group that's working on her dress? And why is that school? I have the same questions. Right? So confused by all of that. Like, wouldn't Cordelia be having it made professionally? So wouldn't it be at a dress shop? Yeah. And at the, I think I think at the point that that scene is taking place, she has not won. She's not been named. No, but she, she knew she was going to this going to the dance. So it was her dress for the dance. Yeah. But like the idea of there are people doting on her. Mm-hmm. Why would there? Why? Right. I just like I see why for the story. Well, like, that, and like that, we like, were working on her dress at school, like you would work on the float for the parade. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah. it was very odd. That's a good question, Ellie. Yeah. So then we see Giles in the library with Angel, and he is so taken aback that Angel really doesn't have a reflection. Is this his first confirmation of the reflection thing? That's a good question. I do have a bit of trivia that, according to Buffy Guide, this is the first time that Giles and Angel meet. Yeah. I, I concur. Kind of surprising. End of season one. Yeah. It's certainly the, yeah, that makes sense. That definitely tracks because this episode is also the first time Willow and Xander meet him officially, but they have run into him previously. Like when he's shown up to the bronze. Yeah. yeah, Like they've seen him at the bronze, uh, but it's always like across the room when he's there to talk to Buffy. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder. So yeah, Giles is clearly well studied. I wonder how many vampires he's run into. Right. It definitely seems like, have you never met one before? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was we- his reaction to Angel is a little weird. Mm, that's interesting. Um, while we're talking about trivia, the actress who played Marcy was also in She's All That. She's one of the art girls. She plays Misty, not Marcy. Misty. Wait, I'm about to make a fool of myself. Hang on. I don't think I've seen She's All That. That's okay. So okay. it's a popular it's a popular '90s rom com starring Rachel Lee Cook and Freddie Prince Jr. Which there's another Buffy connection right there, Freddie Prince Jr. True, and actually Buffy uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar is in the cafeteria scene. Rachel Lee Cook's little brother in the movie is skating around, you know, fresh ground pepper, fresh ground pepper, pepper, and he goes up to a table, and Sarah Michelle Gellar's sitting there, and she just like hands him her plate. <laughs> Oh, if only they knew. My assumption was that she and Freddie Prince Jr. were together already. And so maybe she was just like on set and they just like had her do it. How neat. And she also would have been, Sarah Michelle Gellar would have been a recognized figure at the time of She's All That, same as Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, it looks like 99. Yeah, she Cute was little cameo. at that point. Yeah. Little Easter egg. Yeah. As, stop me if I'm getting too far ahead of your notes. Mm-hmm. So the Buffy stumbles upon marcy's like nest mm-hmm. in the band room up above mm-hmm. and she's going through the 
I think at this point she's like going through the various things in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She's going through the various things in it. And um, I noticed that there is this creepy ass doll in her nest. There, there's like a teddy bear that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. whatever, cuddle your teddy. There's just like this doll. This doll is creepy. Why do you have this doll? And Allie, I texted you before we started recording. I was like, oh my God, I'm good. I found some notes that I was like, that's weird. That's interesting. And then I looked it up and it came up in the trivia later. The creepy ass doll that I was like, why the fuck is, is that there? Mm-hmm. That doll is Miss Edith in the next season. No. Wow. What? Man. That's fun. I totally missed that. I just have the neck, the no ick creepy living in the ceiling. Ugh. It could have made it cuter, Marcy. Could have done better. <laughs> you really are crazy. Yeah, you could have. Yeah, there's like a weird candle situation. Mm-hmm. Also, my mind went to just like logistics. Okay, so did she go home and grab stuff? And then why did you, why choose to live at school? And then like imagining hauling all of that stuff up there. Like, why would you choose the ceiling? So many questions. What happened? Like a lot of places don't have their air conditioning running at night. Mm-hmm. So does it just get to be, you know, 100 degrees? Like right. a lot of places will have sensors where if you like take a step, an alarm goes off. I mean, so my guess is Sunnydale High School up. isn't that high tech, but... That's, yeah, that's a good point. The air conditioning, though, that's a legit. Right. And like doors get locked and stuff. So it's like, how yep. are you going to the bathroom? And no, how is no one noticing weird things? Like, do the janitors think just think the high school is haunted? Yeah. Kind of is. I don't yeah. know. All good points. Good points. Um, Why is it always the nice teachers? <laughs> so skipping yeah. ahead to the nice English teacher almost getting asphy- asphyxiated. But. Yeah, it's always the nice teachers. It didn't seem like, and then and then we get a flashback to where this teacher wronged Marcy. I guess mm-hmm. I've been in that position. So Marcy is raising her hand a lot, trying to answer questions, and the teacher's calling other people. I've been there. That sucks. I want to answer the question. I want to participate. Whatever. Yeah, did not seem like that teacher deserved to die. Oh, definitely. I know not. it's to like also get back at Cordelia, but like, man, Marcy, come oh, on. Yeah. It's definitely on Criminal Minds. They would call it a grievance collector. Mm. so it's just one of those like it is a perceived slight or perceived injury or whatever but to them it's like this big deal yeah i had the opposite problem of not getting called on or i or a similar issue of like my i would have teachers who would complain that like no one's raising their hand and then i would be like okay you said you wanted to hear from somebody else and then i'd raise my hand they'd be like well i already heard from you i'm like well you don't get to have it both ways Okay. What do you want from me? I'm trying to help you out. You're upset that no one's answering (laughs) your question. Uh, That's funny. Sorry. Sorry for (laughs) trying to take you out of the pause. Uh, Cordelia is definitely getting an A now. Yeah, After after coming in and saving her life. I think think you've earned an A. Yeah, yeah. Her grade's solid now, isn't it? Yep. Um, So in the library, Buffy is presenting the yearbook that she's taken back and she says, yeah, everybody said, have a nice summer Mm -hmm. in this. And then they're like, yeah, you write, have a nice summer when you have nothing else when you don't have anything to say. Is that true? I think that was certainly true of some people. I it is. It is a little bit of a courtesy. thing. Yeah. Hags. Yeah. But I remember there were also ways to like extend hags like. H-A-V-G-S, have a Mm -hmm. great summer. Or I can remember during passing, like middle school, passing around the the yearbooks and stuff and 
taking Hackus. What? Hackus. Hackus. Oh, yeah. Hackus. Have a kick-ass summer. Yeah, exactly. So there were- Willow makes this distinction, too. Yeah. And I definitely, because I'm very about word choice. So there were definitely people I was like, oh, well, you get hackas, you get hags. And like sometimes I would say, call me this summer. Or like I would put extra effort into my close friends. It's absolutely true. And especially when every single person, except for Willow, wrote exactly the same thing. Yeah, you. She didn't have any friends. Yeah, I honestly feel bad for this girl. Mm-hmm. I think the writing of her character is really strong because I feel, and then it gets to a point where it's like, okay, this has gone right, wrong. right. But but I feel bad for you, babe. Yeah. That's hard not having any friends. Yeah, and you're clearly nice and want to have friends. Like right. Oh. well, it goes back to what we said last episode: explanation, not an excuse. Yes, after after a certain point, like. Yeah, I can see how you got there, but you still don't get to, like, cut people up and, like, kill people. Yeah, probably don't suffocate your teacher. Right. That teacher. You can that suffocate. Teacher. I'm like, not saying don't suffocate others, any teacher. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, don't bludgeon people with a baseball bat. You know, like, uh, so I have another quote um, from Buffy. I think I speak for everyone when I say, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I have the quote right before this written down. Mm-hmm. So they have just stumbled onto the idea that it is a, uh, never mind, I forget, whatever, I'll just say the quote. Giles says, I've been investigating the mystical causes of invisibility when I should have looked at the quantum mechanical. <laughs> of course. Of course. Giles, you idiot. Come on. God. You know, just what an oversight. What an egregious oversight. I speak for everybody when I say, huh? huh? True. True. This is the first Cordy x Scooby's collab. And the the quotes from Cordelia here oh, man. are just fantastic. I wrote down two. I don't know if you wrote down any. This is all about me. Me being yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't write down that one, but that was so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it as Cordelia is starting to plead her case to Buffy. Mm-hmm. So Cordelia has just witnessed her teacher attempted to be suffocated, and she's going to Buffy asking for help. And she goes, I know we've had our differences with you being so weird and all. Oh, <laughs> Cordelia. Uh, you really don't know. She knows how to flatter. And then she's saying, um, she's she's getting at the idea that like, yeah, you've always been around for the weird stuff and you're clearly really strong and like all this stuff. And she says, I was kind of hoping you were in a gang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's like her mind would go to Slayer. So, yeah. But you know what? I bet it was actually pretty hard for her to come and ask for help. Yeah, I bet it was. And you can see as she's talking, she is, she's not in a good spot. She's distraught. She's scared. Yeah. And to her credit, it is about her. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's not wrong. Right. And I think one of them right. even says that of like, well, in this instance, she she is yeah. right. <laughs> Maybe not like the best way to put it, but yeah, she's not wrong. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Um, I noticed this detail. This seemed like a, like a nice detail when they're, they, they actually open the yearbook and, and they're like, Cordelia, this is the person after you. Do you know this? Mm-hmm. Um, right literally next to marcy is willow rosenberg right which makes sense yeah but it was just a nice but that goes to an extra layer of her being invisible because i feel like we're put together a lot by alphabet so like when you took class pictures or whatever or sometimes in homeroom and stuff and she says they were in four classes together so there's a good chance that she was right next to her actually in one of the flashbacks willow is literally right next to her in class yeah yeah and Willow, Willow's a thoughtful, right? Thoughtful, right? Thoughtful girl there. She didn't notice. But you know, it just goes back to that, like, 
you know, a sort of two-way street or you can't blame other people for your problems and stuff because it's like Willow can't be a friend to everybody. That's true. It's just not possible. You're not going to be friends with everybody. It's not your responsibility to make sure no one is without friends at school. Um, And there is a quote in a future season that we will spend some time unpacking because it's an episode that didn't air when it was supposed to. And it's like this whole thing, whatever. The oh, quote oh, is, um, they didn't notice your pain because they were so focused on their own mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's true here too. So true. So true. Yeah. No one thinks about you because they're all thinking about their own problems. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, love that. I love that scene. I love that episode. Uh, I can't wait to get to it. Um, another Cordelia quote, way eviler than me. So <laughs> you agree. Yeah. <laughs> so you admit it. There, there's a scotia self-awareness there. I see it. Every so often, she's just like peeling back these layers. Another Cordelia quote, because this this episode really is all about her. So you think I'm never lonely because I'm so cute and popular? <laughs> um, I I want to unpack a later part of this quote. I'm going to read the quote mm-hmm. and then I want to unpack it because okay. I don't know how I feel about it. Cordelia says, "I don't even know if they like me half the time. Sometimes when I'm talking, everyone's so busy agreeing with me they don't hear a word I say." And then Buffy says, well, if you feel so alone, why do you work so hard at being popular? And Cordelia says, well, it beats being alone all by yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How I, uh, so I've had people say similar things to me. I have never had the experience of, OK, I have lots of friends and I have felt alone. So you can't have friends and feel alone. Mm-hmm. I have never been with my friends and felt alone at the same time. I have. Really? Not not my good friends, like not like my core group, but there have been times in certain activities or like the group of people I hung out with like freshman and sophomore year of college mm-hmm. of college. Mm-hmm. Like I knew these weren't mm-hmm. my people, you know, mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. there were definitely times I felt alone or like sixth grade. I first started going to conventions and when I came back, no one gave a shit. No one wanted to hear about it. I felt very alone. Mm. It wasn't like a big enough deal because, again, I had other friends and then like the drama of middle school having to break up with friends. I will fucking kill you. (laughs) Make that a blooper. God damn. You you dude, that needs to be a blooper. That needs to be in there at some point. I will fucking kill you. That was so good. I just she just cut. Oh. Because all she wants to do is go out back and chase the rats. That's all she wants to do. She, she genuinely doesn't need to go to the bathroom. You would, yeah, you would yeah, think yeah, yeah. I am starving her. Yeah, no, no. She's just, yeah. Not the time. That's well. funny. Not the time. Sammy gets needy, but she doesn't whine, which I guess I'm She has gotten more vocal. For. So, Interesting. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she's going through her teen years. Because she does the same thing where she barks at the delivery people or whatever. But it used to be that we would yell at her to back up. And she would just kind of back up and like kind of inch forward. But now she talks back mm. when we try to get her to like back away while we like grab the food or whatever. Like she'll talk back and it's like, whoa. Listen, bitch. Listen. Yeah. Bitch won't actually not feed you, but. <laughs> yeah. So this is really interesting. The like feeling alone in a group. And I definitely think it does happen. And I never really prioritized popularity. Now, there were certain certain subjects I didn't bring up with certain groups of friends because I was just like, well, you're just not interested. Mm. And I think that's just survival. And I think that's 
what I now would consider, um, now that I like have a word for it, I just consider it code switching. And I think that's just a skill you develop. And I always found my way to the true friends. Um, like I said, I didn't prioritize popularity. So it was like, I was never willing to sacrifice that much of myself to make it to that level. Yeah. For Cordelia, no, no she is. When I first, when she first said this quote, it didn't make sense to me because my mind instantly went to my core friends who I just cannot imagine feeling alone in the group of. But I do have the experience of, like you said, like, I, I have felt alone in a group before. And then and then Cordelia is also, I think, making the point that like she doesn't have that. Right. I don't core group, I don't think maybe. she has a core group. So, I don't think. Yeah. Any... OK, so what she's saying does make sense. Then. Right. Because I've also I've never been surrounded by sycophants. Mm -hmm. I know it's a vocab word, but it's just like spe people specifically trying to impress me. Mm -hmm. That is just a whole different level, because then how how do you get any kind of real conversation? You know, like, how do you get feedback on a problem? How do you any of those things? Like, I know our good close friends, like with my ex, and I thought I was going to marry him and stuff. And they were like, oh, no, no, no. We had a plan that was never going to happen. <laughs> they they're not afraid to contradict me. Yeah, that is what true friendship is, is like, I, I want what's best for you. So I'm going to tell you that that dress is not attractive. Yeah. I just saw a TikTok about Mindy Kaling. Is that how I say her last name? Kaling. Her Mindy Kaling. Kaling. Sorry. Oh my God. I'm sorry, Mindy Kaling. I love her so much. I just mispronounced her last. Name. Uh, one of her in in her memoir, she talks about a, a one of her rules for friendship mm -hmm. is that I have to tell you, I have to answer your questions honestly, but I'll do it gently. So like, I will tell you that dress doesn't look good on you, but I right. will be nice about it. Right. Yeah. That's where tact comes in. It's how you phrase it. It's not about not being honest. It's not about being fake. It's like saying, I think the other dress was more flattering. Yeah. Or I don't think this was the best look. You wouldn't say like, oh, girl, your hips in that dress. Like, you know, like there's a way to say things. There's a way to frame mm -hmm. things. Okay, Cordelia, your quote does make sense to me. I was going to challenge you on it, but never mind. Yeah, makes sense. And I mean, me. and there is some, there is a bit of the like, oh, the poor popular girl. But you know, it's that, it's that everyone has their own issues, and everyone's issues are a big deal to them. It's not about comparing problems. We don't have to get into some sort of pain Olympics here. Exactly. Um, so we get back into how are you going to deal with someone who's a bit invisible, and I say again. I say paint. Just say it. There's yeah, paint somewhere in the shop or whatever. Creative solutions before you 100%. Yeah. Um, so we have Cordelia. Uh, Buffy's kind of on watch for Cordelia while she gets changed for the dance. Um, if a killer invisible girl is after me, I'm going to suck it up and change in front of somebody. Is that a weird thing to do anyways? Change in front of somebody? I don't think so. But like Buffy, I guess they're not they're not close. But for me, I would, and again, I'm not somebody who's ever been particularly like shy about my body, band and theater. It's just like, it's what happens. So I would pretty much change in front of any other girl. And I guess it was, it's a really small closet, but still like, again, killer invisible girl after me. Don't leave me alone. I don't care if you're just on the other side of the door. Killer invisible girl who will traverse through the ceiling. Right. We have seen she will get into the Right, ceiling. like Cordelia doesn't know that, but Buffy does. I would insist. Right. I'd be right. like, maybe I should be in here with you. Yeah, th yeah, that seems like a yeah. Didn't really think that went through, guys. It's like an you? oversight. So yeah, so 
she does snag Cordelia through the ceiling. It is a well-planned thing. She has she has thought this out. Yeah, and Marcy has drugs to knock them out, yep. and she it is a plan. Very sadistic. Mm-hmm. So um, there's like a scuffle, but basically. Buffy and Cordelia are knocked out. And then when they wake up, they are tied up in chairs. Mm -hmm. So am I, Marcy has dragged their asses Mm -hmm. to the bronze. No, I think they're at, I think they're at school. I don't think they made it to the the bronze. They're for sure at the bronze. Mm. There's like a bar in the back that looks like the bronze. We saw it in the, in the uh, Darla episode too. And then the coronation was going to take place at the bronze. And they're talking it about. It sounded like, like they were backstage, or it looked like they were like backstage or something like that. Because she gets snagged, she gets snagged from the closet, and Buffy gets snagged from a classroom. I think they got pulled to another room at the school. I don't think they made it to the Browns. Then what is with all the theatrics? There, there was a component of this night that was going to happen at the Browns. Yes, yeah, because yeah. Cordelia was going to be crowned at the Browns. Like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dance, yeah. the dance was at the Browns. So then. There's like all sorts of like streamer, like the area where they are has been decorated. It looks, I think it looked at- to me like it was storage, like it was decorations from other things. Interesting. That's what I always assumed it was. Mm. Okay, I was going to take issues with the fact that she dragged their dragged them across town. I mean, it's it's a lot to drag them across the school. Marcy's not big. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, mm-hmm. Buffy and Cordelia aren't particularly big either, but like Buffy's all muscle. So presumably 120, even if say she's just 100, that's still a lot for a person to drag or carry. And Cordelia had was in the ceiling. Right. She had to get her down from the ceiling. Right. So that's a whole different like muscle, like just like pulling all that weight and dead weight because you drugged them. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of logistics with this. You gotta, I, I, Buffy Slayerness probably throws some wrenches in there too, like in immune, like a resistance, to, like a metabolism. I'm not gonna think about it too much. Yeah. I won't think about it. I had that, yeah, I yeah, had yeah. that too of like maybe she would metabolize it quicker, and she does yeah. come out of it and sober up quicker than Cordelia seems to. Yeah, true. I have a note here. Isolation can definitely drive people crazy. A thousand percent. Yeah. So. There's definitely some, again, explanation, not excuse, but yeah, I can see how not, no, just like no one talking to you and then not being able to see yourself. So think about what that does to like your image of yourself and just mm-hmm. the, like the metaphysical, theoretical self or whatever. Yeah, that should, that would mess you up. And she, and she's what? She's what, 16, 17? There's a lot of times in Buffy where we're like, if this, mystical thing played out who knows what would happen mm-hmm. i feel like if this mystical thing played out if somebody could actually go invisible when they felt invisible mm-hmm. enough i don't know i could see this exact thing yeah i could see this happening well, this feels totally plausible and yeah. and they did say it was the hell mouth like amplifying that like it, this couldn't just yeah. happen anywhere in the world like it specifically it was the mystical juju of the of the hell mouth manifesting this but Oh, yeah. Absolutely. People have been driven to murder for less. Oof. Yeah. Hey, listeners, if you feel invisible, you're not. We hear you. Reach out. I'll DM you back. Yeah. I love you. Um. So I have a Marcy quote. What are you going to do? Slay me? 
<laughs> Girl's been eavesdropping. You don't know what ceiling she's been in, where she's been around. That was a little a little nugget that she dropped in of like, yeah, I know what you say you are. My response to that quote was, yeah, bitch, try me. Try me. Fuck around and find out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be arrested. Good luck. Well, and then it turns yeah, out it turns I, out very well for her, but whatever. And I have uh, Buffy calls her a thundering loony. <laughs> I love that quote. Oh, cute little goofy phrase. I feel like that full quote from her. Buffy says, I really felt sorry for you. You suffered. There's one thing I didn't factor into all this. You're a thundering loony. <laughs> and I feel like that that quote does a lot for us. Because like I viewers are feeling conflicted yes, at this point. Absolutely. And that at least for me, mm-hmm. that drew some boundaries for me. I was like, yeah, yeah you're right. You she Because she definitely escalates. Because at first, it's just kind of like, eh, she pushed someone. Eh, she hit someone with a baseball bat. And not that it's, not that they're really that easily brushed off. But then she really does see that, oh, you're not just angry. You've snapped. Yeah. Yeah, you are off the deep end. Right. You are so far gone. Yeah. yeah. So you reference, like, she gets taken away at the end it's kind of upsetting this fbi thing doesn't pay off or come back so she gets dragged off by the fbi who apparently know about this phenomenon and they have a special class in a facility where they're gonna rehabilitate her and apparently train her to be an assassin Mm because she opens a book about assassination and, and espionage uh that's a thing yeah, they kind of left that one dangling there. I feel like if you're being very charitable, you could say initiative. Mm, that's what this is. That's true. But they kind of do. We don't hear like it's another one of those teacher's pet egg yeah. things left on. Like we just don't. Okay, yeah. I guess. Although guess we'll just leave it out there. Oh, if you think about it, they're clearly training them to be spies. If they're doing their job, you wouldn't hear about them again. I guess you're right. That they're good at their job. I did a creepy Nick thing that's <laughs> pausing it. I obviously I read the textbook mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Marcy opened that you get a snapshot of for a hot second. The uh, text doesn't make any sense, but it references a Beatles song. Oh, takes out like where the words were repeated or whatever. But yeah, it's Beatles lyrics. <laughs> that's fun. Isn't that neat? Yeah. So, but I had a thought when she walks into that classroom. Uh, how did she know which seats were open? I almost put down that question and I figured that you would have had, you obviously nope. knew the answer. Like, nope. I felt like I was stupid for nope, having No, because no one had their books open. There were no, no cups or no one's pencils or a book bag. Like, there was no set dressing. So she just, like, picked a seat. I actually think it would have been really funny if she, like, sat and someone was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guessed right there, Marcy. Good. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I mean... Maybe there's a invisible people can see invisible people, but they they give no indication of that. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Who knows? I just think maybe it was a little bit of laziness. Well, it's all right. I'm a very lazy person, so I'll take I'll take a little bit of laziness yeah. too. Oh, and I missed a comment about Xander's twenty five cent peep show T shirt. That's fun. Oh, that is funny. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, it was a little like old timey T shirt saying twenty five cent peep shirt. Again, a fun shirt, but again, not one that would have uh, got we could have gotten away with at Centennial. Yeah, not quite as offensive as the <laughs> orange shirt, but still yeah. somehow not great. <laughs> the only other note I have is that this is a nice moment quickly ruined 
but nice moment from Cordelia mm-hmm. where she's like, thank you. Yeah. I don't know. I like how this episode uh, starts to flesh out Cordelia a little more. Yeah, I liked it. And definitely like a building block with, again, her and the Scoobies, mm-hmm. which definitely ends up being a thing, which I feel like jury is still out on whether her fraternization with the Scoobies really is a good thing. I don't know. I think it is. I I think I'd, I don't know. Ask how, ask Cordelia how she feels about her life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like there's a lot of shit that she gets into that she would not have if she had not dabbled with the Scoobies and she, and there, and she pays for it kind of. Yeah. You are a smart, brave character. And that's, that sometimes what happens. Yeah. I'm sorry, Buffy, you were called to be a slayer. I'm sorry, Willow, you got involved. Yeah. I mean, any of them. Yeah. And and not to say that things wouldn't have gone poorly in a different direction. I mean, she went to L.A. to be an actress. Who knows? How? And and her. Yeah, she got away right. and then found herself back. In right. It. And her career trajectory, even if it was an actress, it probably would have been like anchor woman. Like her life could have gone bad in, in other ways. So I don't know. Maybe she was better prepared for life having dealt with some of that stuff. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. I do have one last quote. This is not in the episode, but it is a quote by the actress who played Marcy. She was. She said of this episode, I think that it connects with the way a lot of us feel as kids and probably still in our lives now. People relate to it. We all feel that way. Probably the most visible people also feel invisible. I thought it was a nice wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I and I think uh, a lot of celebrities would probably agree with that. The more people think they know you, probably the less they try to actually get to know you. That's mm. powerful. Yeah. We are very lucky, though, because we have people who do know us. Oh, and lucky we are. We found our people real fast. That's true. And we said, not letting you go. You're stuck <laughs> with me, sucker. Should have gotten out years ago. Yes, you had your it. chance. Your fault, not mine. You had your yep. chance. <laughs> I was a creepy stalker with you in third grade, and you still stuck around. <laughs> you could say that. You could say I was a creepy stalker to you. You could say that about a good number of people in our like. You could kind of mix and match the people in our friend group, and that would be true for a lot yeah, of us. Some to people each didn't other know how points. creepy of a stalker I was. Well, that's okay. You, you. I think you knew. I don't know. You know that I creepily stalk you now. So. That's true. You're pretty open with it. So it's a lot. I think it's less creepy because you're so open about it, though. Informed consent all around. That's what's important. Absolutely. Well, I think this has gone off the rails. I think that about does it for this episode. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. And we hope you'll join us again for our next episode. The finale of our first season. Season one, episode 12. Prophecy Girl. Oh my God, Susan Penelope. Uh, Ellie, it's a Pluto. I know. It's a Pluto. Oh, and what a great episode. It is such a kick ass oh, finale. So it's oh. so good. It's so good. It's the so quotes. good. It's so good. This is the 12th time I'm going to say this. 11th. But if you are just too excited to wait until the season finale to chat with us, please send us an email at tabularasabpod at gmail.com. You could also say hello to us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at at tabularasabpod. Allie. Yes. I run our social media accounts. Nobody wants to talk to me. 
Who? How do people talk to you? It's just not true. But uh, if people want to talk to me, you can find Ali Press at Daughter Pick, D-A-U-G-H-T-E-R-P-I-C-K on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me on TikTok at Future Black Cat. And if you'd like to support me as an artist, you can go over to buymeacoffee.com slash Press, A-L-L-I-E-P-R-E-S-S. And you can join a membership or just toss a few bucks my way. It's really appreciative. It really sustains me as an artist emotionally and yeah, helps helps financially. That's really nice. And then when you are Black Cat in the Marvel movies, somebody can say, hey, I had a stake in that. I, I was part of the journey from the beginning. That's true. That's true. And, you know, maybe down the line, there will be perks for people who got in on the ground floor. Yo, get in now. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, you know, and there and there is stuff that I share on Buy Me a Coffee that's sometimes sooner that, than you see on Facebook or whatever. So it's fun. I love it. You've convinced me. <laughs> All just kidding. I was a founding member, bitches. Take that's a number. True. All social media handles are in our description. Allie. This has been a treasure. I can't wait for a season finale. <laughs> you are a treasure and you, our audience, are also our, our precious, precious gems, treasures. Make proud choices. Until next time. Bye. Mwah. Tabula Rasa, bitches, is hosted by Ali Press and Nick Mercer with music by Inflaton Cult, artwork by Charlotte Fleming Design, and consultation by Evo Terra.